Postal Service hopes to deliver a billion COVID-19 tests to homes in the U.S. in the coming weeks. Starting today, people can request them at a new federal website. Tests are supposed to ship within 12 days of ordering. And behind the scenes, USPS is striking a deal with one of its unions to help carry out this work. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has been following all of these developments and joins me with the latest. And Jory, let's start with why the Postal Service has to negotiate with the unions to deliver mail. Well, it's not the delivery part that's a problem here. The letter carriers are well accustomed to delivering these packages or any other packages on their route. What's being negotiated here between USPS management and the American Postal Workers Union is the fulfillment work to get all these COVID tests in a package and uh, label it with the right shipping labels and get them out the door. So uh, this is what the union and the agency are calling fulfillment work. This is new work under their memorandum of agreement and their collective bargaining agreement with the union. And so think of them as your local Etsy store or your Amazon warehouse worker grabbing all these packages as orders are coming in, making sure they're in the right box and that they've got the right shipping label on them. And this is all being orchestrated under a pilot program between the union and USPS management. It will run for 75 days, which should be plenty of time for all these tests to get where they need to go. APWU and USPS can agree to extend that pilot and USPS can also unilaterally terminate the program uh, before that 75-day period if they need to. I guess it might have been easier just to send four boxes to every house, and then you don't have to label anything. But that's just me thinking, right? And uh, they need more people, though, to get this all delivered then, sounds like. Yeah, right after the peak holiday period for them. This is quite the tall order to be asking of the Postal Service. And again, as part of this memo that they signed with the APWU, uh, they're going to keep on about 7,000 temporary workers as part of the bargaining unit to get all this fulfillment work done. And an APWU official did tell me last week that once this gets up and running, USPS expects to deliver about 2 million of these packages each week. So that gives you a, a sense of the Scope of the work that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks here. And so far as we can tell, did the new site for ordering tests by the public launched by the administration, is that another healthcare.gov thing or is that working better? Do we know? And what steps did they take to make sure it didn't? That is definitely on the minds of everyone who rolls out a new federal website these days. That, of course, harkens back to the Obama administration when that website did launch healthcare.gov. But there's been a lot of lessons learned between now and then. We heard from a senior administration official last week. They said that the the team behind this didn't start from scratch. USPS has a website that they've had for quite some time now that sells stamps and other goods to the public. And they're actually using kind of the bare structure of that to launch covidtests.gov. And they are working with the U.S. Digital Service to conduct load tests for the website and ensure that it can scale to meet demand, which was the big problem during healthcare.gov, that scalability. And USDS was, of course, launched following the launch of healthcare.gov to do these kinds of things, to have monitoring tools in place, to have responsive playbooks in place for when the rollout of a website doesn't look so good. But when you click through to this website, which is live now, it does take you to a USPS website. Uh, so they are the backbone of this effort in a lot of ways. And even before 
covidtest.gov, if you looked at the analytics for federal websites, USPS was always the leader in terms of tracking packages. So this is something from a strain perspective that USPS understands well as well. Well, I just went to that site while we were talking and I already have a shipping number and it took as long as you took to explain what's going on with that site. I made an order. Let's see if it really happens. Sent to my home, although I must admit I have a stash of them there already, Jory. And what about the USPS workforce itself? Because they have been having issues with getting COVID and therefore having sometimes shortages of workers in needed shifts. What's going on there? There's definitely a reason why there is this memorandum of understanding in place to keep these temporary employees on the rolls, and that is because the workforce is really getting hammered by this latest wave of COVID cases made worse by the Omicron variant here. To give you a sense of the numbers here, an APW official told me that by their last count, 17,500 employees were out of work because of COVID infection or exposure. And to set those numbers in a little bit more context, it's not the high point that the agency had back in 2020, but it's getting close to it. And to give you some numbers compared against from recently, as of December 24th, of last year, there were 6,500 of these cases. So we've seen that number shoot up quite dramatically. As far as external pressure for the USPS to do something more in terms of mitigation, that is less of an issue. The Supreme Court, of course, struck down the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's vaccine or test rule for businesses that have more than 100 employees, USPS being one of them. They are, of course, not part of the Biden administration's mandate for the federal workforce to get vaccinated. So they are kind of in a limbo right now. The Postal Service hasn't commented since that ruling has come out, but you can imagine there are breathing a bit of a sigh of relief because right before that ruling, USPS had requested a 120-day temporary exemption from OSHA. Right. And I guess there's different situations like the APWU employees, if they're in packaging centers and sorting centers and mailing centers, might be in closer contact with one another than perhaps the route delivery people. But then again, those route delivery people have to start out from somewhere. So... You know, I guess there's not a lot of room for discretion in terms of whether you have COVID even without symptoms because a test shows you have it and how close you're going to be to other people. But that's what they'll have to figure out. And meanwhile, you're also reporting on USPS branching into new kinds of services to raise money. And this was postal banking. How did that work out so far? Well, the Postal Service already does some rudimentary services like money orders. They used to do a lot more in the past going back decades here, but they were trying to get back into more robust banking services at the request of some members of Congress. This latest effort launched last September for at, at four post offices. They would cash payroll or business checks in the form of a gift card. You had to pay a flat fee of $5.95 to avail yourself to the service, and you could cash a, uh, a check up to $500 in this case. Well, We've gotten the results back. There was a filing to the Postal Regulatory Commission, and the Postal Service got a whopping six customers from these four post offices for the duration of this pilot. And they made $35.70 in revenue. And perhaps, as far as we know, two of them were Mr. and Mrs. DeJoy, but we can't verify that. We can't, no. And it's worth pointing out that one of the post offices in this pilot in the Bronx got no customers. So it was all of the post offices in the DMV area. 
Interesting. Well, I guess it's the age-old question. Do you put banking into the post office or put the post office into banks? And I think that's a question they've been exploring for 50 years. Nobody has the answer. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.